joined us for worship this morning. And uh, uh, my name's uh, Terry. I'm pastor at Family Life. And, and we're just so grateful to, to have you here today. And our goal is just to be a blessing to you. Our goal is just to encourage you. And, and uh, you know, as always, we never want anyone to leave if they have something they're dealing with. We're we're always here to pray with you and encourage you in any way possible. Um, this morning, we're going to take up our missions offering. If the guys will come up and here at Family Life, we do things a little bit differently. And we don't take up a weekly offering every week. We, we teach our, our members, uh, people who are committed to Family Life, to, to tithe. And we have offering boxes out in the back. And we also have online giving. But once a month, we take up a missions offering. And uh, we, we're very... Uh, very missions focused. Um, we support uh, the church planning all over the world, and we've every year we build churches and pay for buildings to be built, and and all kind of things. Uh, we're really we're an international church. We have 205 churches that we've helped to start in India and Nepal, and Pastor Joseph's over there doing that, and and uh, so everything given today will go into our missions fund. And uh, actually, this, this month, our missions offering is going directly to the Congo. Uh, we have uh, a gentleman in our church, Marco Bastacilla, and he's an evangelist at Congo. He goes over there and he, he encourages churches and leads leadership conferences for all the pastors. And so everything today will go uh, to, to uh, the Congo. And of course, 10% of all of our tithes and offerings that go in go to our, our missions fund and supports pastors all over the world in Honduras, India, Nepal, Mexico, all over the world. And, and uh, so if you can uh, get that gift ready. Um, I also do want to say that um, I want to ask you to, to pray for our, for our churches in India and Nepal, especially India. I was talking to Pastor Joseph this week and about two or three weeks ago, 23 of our pastors were arrested. And, uh, you know, India is very close to the gospel. Uh, when I go there and, and, and teach the pastors, I have to sign an affidavit that I won't preach the gospel. So they'll let me in the country. And so when I go to India, I don't preach, I teach, you know. Um, but it's, it's very dangerous. Uh, it's, a closed, it's closed to the gospel. Uh, they don't let any of the great, evan you know, a lot of the evangelists, Benny Hinn, Reinhard Bunke, Franklin Graham, uh, no, no, none of that goes on in India for about the, the last decade. And uh, so we've got 16 of our pastors out. Basically, we just had to pay them. And we still have seven in there. And on top of that, they told the pastors they cannot go back to their village and lead their church. Uh, so we're working through that and um, have some plans for that. But can we just, can we just pray? It's, it's amazing, church, that, uh, you know, I'm not being harsh or being mean, but uh, every place in the world has difficulty. And you know, in India and Nepal, severe persecution in the churches taking off like wildfire. Uh, the thing we have to guard against here in America is apathy because affluence has lulled us to sleep. And many Christians around the world would love the freedoms that we have. So let's pray. God, we pray right now for India. We pray for Pastor Joseph. We pray for these 23 pastors. We pray for these 23 congregations that represent hundreds and hundreds of people. And God, right now, we just pray for your grace and your mercy over their lives. God, we pray for your protection over them. Lord, we just declare that no weapon formed against our churches in India will prosper, God. The suppression of the gospel will not take place in India. God, I pray, I pray that 
hundreds and thousands of people are coming to Jesus in India. God, I pray that, that, that the demonic suppression, it cannot quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray for a continued revival there, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's giving today, Lord. And I just pray this offering would go to build the kingdom in Congo. It would go to, to take care of the homeless. It would go to take care of the orphan and widow. And it would go to build the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat>
into our lives and they, they teach us principles of how we can activate miracles in our life, how, can we, how we can expect to receive miracles. And we're starting every week with a testimony from someone in our congregation who has received just a supernatural miracle. We've had many people healed of all kinds of things from diabetes to, to cancer. And so they're going to play a quick video and you'll be able to see uh, one of our members here who, who uh, had a, an incredible encounter with God. Well, good morning, family life. We're starting a series today called Miracle Moments in Life of Jesus, and I'm with Maribel Fernandez, and she has an incredible testimony of God healing her of cancer. And uh, so, Maribel, will you tell a little bit about how you found out you had cancers and what the doctors had said? Yes, about two years ago, I was having some pain, so we went to the doctors and um, they checked my blood levels and they had high cancer levels. And when I went to the doctor for the recheckup, they told me I was on the final stage and that there was really nothing they can do. And then about them. So it was, it was stage four cancer? Stage four cancer for the ovarian cancer. Yes. And so then about a month and a half, we came to family life and um, we, we just, you know, felt so wonderful. The people here were great and all the prayers and about, um, I was going through my chemos. Well, let, let's stop right there. So, so Maribel, uh, they told her she was terminal stage four cancer, that chemo wouldn't cure her, but they told her to go ahead. They felt like she should go ahead and do the chemo. It may prolong her life a little bit. And when Maribel came to Family Life, I'll never forget this, they, her and her husband, Daniel, they walked up after service and told me her situation, asked if we would pray for them. Now service was over, and uh, if you know our, our church, we pick up chairs every Sunday, so guys are wheeling chairs away. And I prayed for her, me and Justin Bass, and the power of God just, just hit her, and she just felt crashed on the floor. I mean. I mean, just, and she stayed down for 45 minutes. And um, when, she, when she got up, she said that her body felt warm and she believed that God, you know, had, 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 had healed her body. So what happened after that prayer and after you felt like the Lord touching your body, you went to the doctor? Yes, so I went to the doctor and they told me that my tests came back negative. So I've been in remission for the last two years, no cancer. And, uh, now for the next three years, I'll be going every six months for my checkups, but I just, you know, after uh, the prayers and everything, it just just touched my heart and I just felt so positive that some miracle had came upon me. Yeah. And, and so this is really an incredible story. After we prayed for her and she felt the Lord touching her, she went to the doctor, they verified that she had, she was cancer free and she's gone back multiple times the last two years and she's still cancer free. But that's not the only miracle that came out of this situation. Her husband, uh, Daniel, who he comes every week. Uh, I don't think he was so much into church, was no, he? No, he sure wasn't. And uh, he, he actually flipped out a little bit when she was laying on the floor. But you know, within several weeks, Daniel gave his life to the Lord and God has just totally changed their life. And uh, so, Maribel, what would you say to people that, that are here today that need a miracle? What would you tell them? 
I would tell them to come to Family Life and and to give themselves to the Lord. Right. That, and that's what Daniel did because he he was the type of person that didn't, you know, yeah. he, he didn't want to come to church. Yeah. And even if I would tell him and, and he just saw the miracle that God worked in me. And, and he was, yes, he, so, so he gave but, himself to But Maribel, you don't consider yourself special in any way, do you? No. And so uh, what I mean by that is if God will do a miracle for you, He'll do a miracle for anyone here today. Yes, for anyone. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Man, that screen is unforgiving. It looks like I put on about 40 pounds, man. I think it stretches you out. I got to do something about that. But, but it's, it, isn't it incredible just to hear, you know, just, just normal people who are struggling with life and God intervene in their lives. And, you know, uh, it was interesting when, when Maribel was on the ground, you know, we had to put people around her so she wouldn't get hit by the carts going by with all the chairs. And Daniel, her husband, came up to me and said, is she okay? I mean, he was a little bit uncomfortable, you know. And I wanted to say, well, no, she's not. She has stage four cancer, you know. But I thought, no, 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 it, it, it's okay. But uh, just like Daniel... There are so many people who will never go to church and will never give their lives to the Lord unless they see a miracle. And you say, well, pastor, that's the wrong, that's the wrong reason to believe. Hey, whatever it takes. Jesus said, Jesus said he came and the miracles were so that we would believe that he was the Messiah and have life in his name. And, uh, you know, I think so many people think that that uh, churches are dead, that nothing good is happening in them. And miracles, they're proof that God still intervenes in our lives and that he still cares about us. John 21, 25, it says that uh, Jesus did many other things as well besides the 35 recorded miracles that, that are listed in the Gospels. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Acts 10, 38 uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so, uh, again, the, that miracles are for all. That means they're for me. That means they're, they're, they're for you as well. A miracle is when we have a crisis situation in our lives, something that we can't change, something that we don't have the power uh, to, to, to change or, or to redirect. And we ask God and he comes into our life and this once crisis situation begins to become diverted. And supernaturally God comes in and, and he, he changes the direction of our lives and helps us to get over, past, or through this situation that we're talking about. And that's what Maribel, the doctor, said, hey, you have a few months to live. It's a crisis moment. But God came in and he diverted that whole situation and he eradicated cancer from her life. And now her life is going in a whole different direction. So it's, su it's supernatural. And so again, we talked about, or let me ask you a question. How many of you have a need or something in your life that you don't have the power to change? Can I, can I see your hands? I mean, something in your life, a child, finances, and so here's the deal. 
uh, before you can receive a miracle, you have to need one. And so if you have a need, if you have a legitimate need, you are a candidate for a miracle. And, and so we just have to focus on, focus on that. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will, even, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You know, there's some, there's some people today, there's some churches who believe that, that miracles died out with the first century apostles, that God doesn't intervene today, that miracles don't happen today. But we have proof all over the world that God is still in the miracle business. And sometimes people have a hard time understanding this verse. What, what does that mean? Jesus was here on earth. He was healing leprosy. He was raising the dead. He was healing blind people. He was healing paralyzed people. And what do you think that means? That Jesus himself said, because I'm going to the Father and God is sending the Holy Spirit, the church the church can do greater things. What, what, what does that mean? And I think, I think what it means is this, is that when Jesus was here on the earth and doing these incredible things, um, that was on the before side of the cross and the resurrection. Today we're living on the after side of the cross and the resurrection. And so we have the resurrection power of Jesus available to us every day. And so miracles should be a normal part of Christianity. Now here's another thing, because Jesus in his physical bodily form, he, he, was, he was limited in time and space. He could only be in one place at a time. Today, because we're on the after side, because the Holy Spirit is with us and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, one of the features, characteristics of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're omnipresent. So miracles can be happening in family life today, and miracles can be happening on the other side of Houston. Miracles can be happening in China, Nepal, India, Honduras. It just opened the door for miracles to be happening simultaneously all over the world. And this morning I want to talk about the willingness of Jesus to heal, how Jesus He's willing and he wants to heal us. And it's a story about a, about a guy with leprosy found in Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. It says this, while Jesus was, on, was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Um, and, and so uh, basically this is saying it, it was a bad case of leprosy. There were two different kinds of leprosy in ancient times. Um, one was kind of like just a, a, a bad skin rash. And the, the, the severe kind was the kind that started out with a sore and it spread from that location and literally began to eat your flesh away to where people would have to cut off arms. They'd have a stump of an arm, a stump of a leg because leprosy had literally eaten through it. And so he had a severe case of leprosy. It covered his, his body. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, this is interesting, if, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And so uh, in the Levitical law, Leviticus 13 and 14, it, it talked about that if, if you 
if you, uh, to be clean, cleansed of leprosy, to be able to go back to normal life, uh, you had to first go show yourself to the priest, and the priest had to pronounce you as clean. And then you, you offered a sacrifice to thank the Lord, uh, you know, for that. But it says, yet the news of him, about him, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. And this is really interesting. Jesus, as he's ministering in various towns, this man comes to him, he's covered with leprosy. And again, leprosy at the time, there was no cure for leprosy. It was pretty much a death sentence, a sentence of isolation and rejection, living outside outside of of the village. If you were uh, to have leprosy, you had to go live out in a leper's camp. And anytime you were go- walking down the road, when you approached people, you had to yell, unclean, unclean, so people could clear out of the way. Uh, and, and so this is, how, this is how the man was living. Now, there's still some forms of leprosy today. Many times it's called Hansen's disease, but it's curable. It's curable, and it can be taken care of to where it doesn't get, uh, you know, as bad as it, as it was in these times. So this, this man approaches Jesus, and it would have been at a distance because you were not allowed to come into contact with people because you didn't want it to, the, the leprosy to spread. And he sees Jesus, he runs up to him, he falls with his face to the ground, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And it's very interesting, this man, he didn't doubt that Jesus had the power to heal him, he doubted whether Jesus was willing to heal him. And Jesus said, I am willing, and he, and he, and he touched him. And some other translations or a better uh, understanding of this Greek word, it, it means um, instead of Jesus saying, I'm willing, Jesus says, I want to. I want to. Now, how many of us in our lives, we know that Jesus has the power to do what we need, but we doubt his willingness to step into our lives. I think there's so many of us because, again, I, I've, done some, I've done a message, and it's very critical for your Christian walk. Uh, it's called, Which Tree Are You Living Of? And in the Garden of, of Eden, there was the tree of life, and there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was, it was the knowledge of good and evil and the knowledge of how to be spiritual. And if you're living out of the tree of life, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens is your thinking is you're always comparing yourself to others. Your, your spiritual life is based on how well you're doing. How often am I reading my Bible? How much am I praying? How, how am I serving other people? The tree of life is just living in the grace and the mercy of Jesus and just experiencing, you know, experiencing life. And so if, if we get to the place where we're doubting Lord, I know you can do it, but I'm not sure you really care. I'm not sure that you really want to. I'm not sure I deserve it. Now, there's no one in this room that deserves. Christianity is not about deserving. Are you thankful for that? It's not about deserving. It's about the grace and mercy of Jesus and how he came and he gave his life for us so that in exchange we could have what was due him. And, and so, again, we have to get this thinking out. Um, you know, if you have to be good enough to get a miracle, if you have to act in a certain way 
for God to give you a breakthrough. We have to understand that. What Christianity says and what the tree of life says is Jesus came because we couldn't help ourselves. Jesus came because we messed up. So right now, there's so many people I know that the, the one thing that's holding back a miracle is that they don't, they don't think they deserve a miracle. They're not sure, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm going to heaven. I'm just thankful. Thank, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to hell. That's enough for me. And you know what? That, that, that is enough. But Jesus says, you know what? I came to give you what? Abundant life. I came to give you more than you think. I came to give you more than you ask or imagine because I love you, because I care for you, because you're my children. Now, let me ask you parents something. How many of us, how many of us treat our kids according to how they act? No, I witness out there in the hallway, you treat them a whole lot better than they act many times, right? I hear them out there sassing you, talking to me, and you're still buying them donuts up there at the cafe, right? Why? Because as parents, we, we need to deal with behavior, but we still love our kids, right? We don't say, oh, well, you can't eat because you weren't good today. Please tell me you don't do that. If you do that, read my book. You need my book. Really. Order three of them. Put them everywhere, okay? But so we have to understand this. Listen. It doesn't matter how bad you have messed up life. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you have made. You know, I talk to people and maybe they need a financial miracle in their life. And they're like, but it's my fault. I'm, I'm where I'm at. I've made all these mistakes. Who cares? Jesus doesn't care. That's the devil trying to guilt trip you. Do you need to learn? Yes. Do you need to grow? Yes. Do you need to make some better decisions? Yes. But that doesn't influence whether or not God is willing and wanting to give you a miracle. So we have to change our thinking. So everyone here today, Jesus not only can, not only does he have the power and the authority to do your miracle, he wants to. He wants to. He would love nothing more than to give you that breakthrough, uh, you know, that you want. But we all fall into this. I fall into this. We all fall into sometimes thinking about receiving from Jesus based on how well we've done that week. I've had a pretty rough week, you know. Or you've had a good week. I've been to Bible study. I went to Sunday morning service. I've read my Bible. I'm, I, you know, I deserve a lot. Not, not based on that. I remember many years ago when I started this church, and I mean, gosh, we were, you know, it, it's a miracle for a church plant to start. I think 23 churches started within a year of our of family life. There's three of them left. You know, and so you're, we're just plowing, you know. We got about 30 people, and we're plowing. And one, one Sunday... We had kids going on a mission trip. We had some event happening. And I mean, literally, literally, I set up the daycare by myself. We were meeting at a daycare. Everyone was gone. I set up the whole daycare, uh, you know, by myself. And uh, they, the daycare, they had these little things that rolled and they had all these blocks on them, you know. And the goal was, can you roll it without the blocks having a landslide, you know. And... And so I'm, I'm, I'm rolling it, and I hit a little ridge, and like 20 blocks just fell off. And I did the most spiritual thing I could at the time. I went over there, and I just started kicking blocks all around. I kicked blocks everywhere. And you know what I said? I said, Lord, it would be nice if you would help me. Like, I'm doing everything I can. My family moved here. It would be nice if you would help me. I mean, I've since repented many times for that, you know, but, but that's the wrong attitude. It's, that's the attitude that I've got it. 
we're focused on what we're doing instead of what God is capable of doing. And that day, I'm, I'm not going to, I'd like to tell you that we had hundreds of people show up. That didn't happen. But you know what? In the midst of that rough morning I had, a family came. And we only had like seven people there. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm up there speaking. I'm like, well, I'm sure this is a good, this is a really good, uh, you know, endorsement of our church for them, you know. You know what they said after service? They said, this was amazing. The lady said, you know, I'm watching kids in the church, and they're like happy to be here. When I went to church, my parents made me co, and we hated it. And, you know, that, that's just, that's just, so later I was praying that day, and I'm like, Lord, you know, thank you. You didn't have to do that. But sometimes even just one visitor coming to a church when you're just starting, it just blesses you. Because if God can bring one, he can bring more. And so, but, it, but again, we have to change that thought. We have to change the entitlement attitude of, Lord, it would be nice if you would help me. I'm working really hard. You think you want to get involved? But we also have to change the thought of, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So Jesus, not only can he do the miracle you need, he wants to. So get over yourself. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Sometimes we're the biggest obstacle. We've got to get over our thinking. We've got to get over how we perceive things. And I'm telling you, the Bible is a book about how much God loves us and how he went out of his way to make a way for us to be brought back into relationship with, with, with God the Father. So I, I want to take a few minutes in this story because many times we're talking about miracles, we focus on physical miracles. And, and, and that's one thing. But when I read the story of this leper, I, no, I, notice, I notice that um, that there were four miracles that took place when he had this encounter with Jesus. There was the physical miracle, the, the leprosy was healed. There was an emotional miracle that took place. There was a psychological miracle of the mind. See, some of you in here today, you don't need a physical miracle or you don't need an emotional miracle. You need a mental miracle. You need God to change your thinking because your thinking is taking you down the wrong road. Then, of course, lastly was a, was a spiritual healing. So let's go through these, and then we're going to pray at the end uh, for your miracle. And I just, again, if you're here, everyone raise their hands. So many people raise their hand that they have a need. I want you to be thinking as I'm talking today. I want you to think this. Today is my day. Today is my day. It doesn't matter uh, how you feel. It doesn't matter if you had the right attitude when you came. Just change that. Today is my day. Today is my day. See, I learned this about church. You can have Sundays when you run out of chairs. You can have Sundays when a bunch of you are gone and you never, you know, a bunch of empty chairs. But every Sunday when we have a miracle and someone, God touches someone's life, it was worth the effort. It was worth the effort. So listen, you're worth the effort. So first of all, the physical healing, this is obvious. The obvious miracle, the leper was made clean. Jesus touched this man, and his life was never the same. He said, go show yourself to the priest so that the miracle can be confirmed. And so the problem is many times we limit, we limit God to physical miracles, but God is just, he's so much bigger than that. Um, let, let me show you in the Bible, uh, 
where God talks about himself as a miracle-working God. Um, the children of Israel, we're going to read Exodus 15, 26, but let me set it up. The children of Israel, they traveled in the desert for three days and they couldn't find water. When you have two to three million people and you don't have water for three days, you're out. So they come to this place, there's an oasis, there's water, and, and, but they go there and they run down there to drink, but they can't drink it because it's so bad it's bitter. And so they named it Mara, which means bitterness. And uh, it's an incredible story. Now, if you're famished and you're walking around a desert or wilderness and you haven't had water for a long time, you would think that you could drink any water. But it was so bad, and I guess this happens in our life. Have you ever been really, really hungry and you finally got some food and it was so bad you couldn't eat it? I mean, I haven't. Look at me. I'm just asking you. I thought maybe, you know, maybe. And, and so here's, they're compl- so then they, they complain that the water is no good. God, you brought us the water and the water's no good. And God tells Moses, hey, there's a stick of wood over there. I want you to throw it in the water. He did that, and, and the water became sweet. And they drank and were satisfied. And the Old Testament has shadows of things to come in the New Testament. And, and this is symbolic of what happened at the cross. That wood represents the cross. There was bitterness. It was bad. There was thirst. There was lack. There was want. And they threw a stick in there and it, and it, and it, and it made it to be sweet. And before we give our lives to Jesus... Many times there's bitterness, many times there's hurt, there's anger, there's wounds. But, but because of the cross and because of the resurrection, because Jesus gave his life in exchange for us, our, our bitter lives can, be, can become sweet. And it's a shadow of things to come. And, but anyway, let me read Exodus 15, 26. It says, he said, uh, if you, this is immediately after the story I just told you happened. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In the Old Testament, there are eight compound redemptive names of God who shows his character. And so this, the, the first one is found right here, I am the Lord who heals you. That's the term Jehovah Rophe, which means the Lord, our healer. And uh, if you study this word, the, the, name, uh, the name means to make a person whole physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And so when, when God says, I am the Lord, your God who heals you, He's talking about the healing of the whole person, the healing uh, of a physical body, the healing of our mental capacity, the healing of our emotions, and most importantly, the healing of our, of our spiritual being. So the interpretation here is not only can we be made whole physically, but in every area of our lives. So there's a physical healing, and there's an emotional healing. Uh, the leper... The leper was not only hurting physically, but emotionally. Um, a, a theologian named Dr. McDonald, he said this. He's, a, he's a, an expert on first century living. He says that leprosy carried an attitude different from any other disfiguring disease. It was associated with shame and horror and carried a sense of guilt, even though it was innocently acquired. Now, you know, you know, they got leprosy in those days. A person could have done nothing wrong. They, were, they just came into contact with something. There was a, a bacteria 
and they didn't have any, any way of healing it. But it carried a sense of rejection and isolated because it, it excluded a person from fellowship with other people. And so imagine this, your body's wasting away because you have leprosy. That's bad enough. That's bad enough. But can you imagine if you got some type of a disease and your body's wasting away and then they tell you, no, we're going to move you out here to a commune. You can't live with your family anymore. You can't talk. I mean, the only way you could talk to somebody was from a distance way away. You could shout to somebody. So so there was, not only was somebody sick, not only was this man hurting physically, but emotionally he was rejected and put in isolation. And, you know, when Jesus reached out and touched this leper, he was restoring him emotionally. Jesus was saying, I'll fellowship with you. And, uh, you know, Jesus just touches him. Jesus wasn't worried about anything. And, you know, I, many of you have heard this story, but I, I, uh, you know, I want to be like Jesus, and I'm trying to be like Jesus, but I'm a germaphobe, you know? And, and, uh, and the Lord, I went to Ukraine one time, and we had this big conference, and this lady came up after service, and uh, she came to me. There's all these people praying, she came to me, and she said, the Lord told me if you will place your hands on me. She had a, a like, I don't know if it's leprosy, some type of skin disease on her face, she said, the Lord told me, if you will touch me, um, I'll be healed. And, you know, I'm just acting like I don't understand her, you know. So my brother's the one who talked me into going, so I tried to go get my brother to come pray for her. And I brought my brother over there. I was like, let him get disease, you know. And um, she's like, no, you, you. And I, I'm just like, I had thoughts about how bad I wanted her to be healed, you know. And finally, I just got over myself, and I touched her. And, uh, you know, we, we were gone right after that day. Nothing happened instantly. But, you know, within a week, her, her skin condition cleared up, you know. And, um, and here, I'm not even worried about the woman afterwards. I'm just getting my, my germ killer out, you know. Goodness gracious, Lord, what are you trying to do to me? But the Lord is trying to help us to grow. I've been pastoring for, you know, over 20 years now, and I think more people suffer from emotional trauma, rejection, and isolation than any other issue we deal with. We see it all the time. Um, we don't pick it up. See, when somebody is, has a spirit of rejection upon them and isolation, they act strange. They don't know why they act strange. And we don't know why they act strange. We're just like, man, what's up with them? Many, many years ago, we had just started the church. We probably had 40 people, 40, 50 people coming to church. And this couple moved in, and they, they, they started coming to church. And, um, and this guy, you know, I didn't recognize a lot then. Now I recognize it. Every time he came to church, they came every Sunday. We have 40 or 50 people. He would come up and introduce himself, shake my hand. His name was Albert. I said, Albert, I know who, you know, after like three months, Albert, I know who you are. I've known you for seven years. I know everybody in the church. And, and uh, but the Lord told me, that's rejection spirit, you know. Oh, he won't remember my name. I'm just, you know. And so then he came up to me. Actually, him and his wife both had rejection, isolation issues. And he came up to me one, one time and said, you know, Terry, my wife kind of feels put out or rejected because you never say hi to her. And I'm like, Albert, I stand at the front of the church 
it was, we were in a daycare. There's only one way in. And I greet everyone as they're coming in. And uh, I, I said, Tracy, man, it, I mean, may, I, maybe, I don't know. Have I subconsciously done? I, I'm trying to figure this out. So, so because he made a big deal of it to me, this Sunday, the next Sunday, I said, I don't know if I'm going to greet everybody, but I will greet her. So I'm standing there in the lobby. She comes in. She looks at me. And she starts walking away and going down a hallway. Now, it was the kids or kids daycare. Everything's glass. Everything's glass. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to greet her. She goes around. So I just start walking down the hallway with her. I'm like, you got to come at some point. The auditorium's over here. You got to come. Let's go. I'm going to talk to you. I'm like, what a rejection spirit. What a rejection spirit. Oh, I'm, you know, you make a big deal, but that was just a rejection spirit on her. And, you know, there's all kind of ways we do that. Sometimes as a child, something doesn't go well and we feel rejected by people, by peers, by our parents. Maybe there's a divorce in a broken home. We don't have the relationship we want with one or more of, of our parents or family members. It could be as you go up and you feel like you're always the last one out on your job or, 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 or career, and it doesn't really matter what, but see, Jesus came and he touched this man. When he touched this leper, he hadn't been touched ever since he had leprosy. You know what Jesus was saying? I don't know how, I don't know how other people see you, I don't know how you feel about yourself, but I want to have fellowship with you. I, look, I'm your friend, you know? And, and he breaking down that wall of, of emotional emotional rejection, isolation. So God, God just doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to heal you emotionally. But then there's a psychological healing that, take place, that takes place. Um, the psychological or mental element is similar to the emotional, but they differ in this way. Emotional, that's inside of you. You're, it's your view of how others see you. Uh, you actually go to places expecting to be rejected. It, 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 it's very interesting to me that if somebody, if, if, if somebody has emotional issues, they actually go to places and expect it to happen. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy on you. We had a lady one time, uh, I don't tell any stories about people still here, so they're, they moved away a long time ago. Um, if, I, if I ever tell a story and you think it's me, it's not, okay? If you read my book, it's, I think he's talking about me. I'm not, okay? It's someone else, believe me. But this lady... It, it's an incredible thing, but she had a rejection, emotional issue in her life, and she saw that happening to her everywhere she went, whether it happened or not. So Tracy had a Bible study at our house. So all the ladies are there, and, you know, there are some refreshments in the kitchen. They're all sitting in the living room. You know, it's, a, it's 15 minutes after time to start. So they're, they're about to get up and go in the the kitchen eat refreshments. Well, at the same time, this lady knocks on the door, someone lets her in. She's walking into our house, and all the ladies just get up and go have refreshments. You see what I'm saying? I mean, she didn't think, well, I'm 15 minutes late. They're going to get refreshments. Let me go get refreshments. I walk into the room, and everyone just leaves. Woe is me. Of rejection, emotional. It, do, do you see how it affects every area of our lives, allows us not to enjoy things. But psychologically, Psychological is in the mind, it's how you see yourself. Emotional is 
how you think other people see you. Psychological is how you see yourself. You know, I'm no good. I'll never succeed. I'll never, you know, whatever. I'm not worthy of being blessed. And so, you know, due to everything that had happened to this, this leper, he started, you know, he, he, he was hurt emotionally how others viewed him. But then after a while, he started seeing himself that way too. He started seeing himself as an outcast. He started seeing himself as, as, as defeated. And, and then it, it starts to work, work your way to every area of your life. So, again, every person that God has created has value. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And, and this is a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, problem. Here's the problem with the psychological. Your life will never go higher than the way you see yourself. You will never consistently act in a manner that's inconsistent with how you see yourself. And, you know, uh, Romans, uh, Romans 12, 3, it says, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Here's what I've noticed. Only about 10% of people I meet think of themselves higher than they ought to. The great overwhelming majority of people see themselves way less. And so here's the thing. The key is to see ourselves with God's power coming into our life. What, I know I can't do something, but what happens if I give my best effort and ask God to help me? And so, again, if you, if you see yourself as defeated, if you see yourself as a loser, if you see yourself as not worthy, we've got to ask God to change that because the Bible is filled with everything that is opposite of that, that we are children of the Most High God, that we are kings, we're priests, we're overcomers, we're more than conquerors with Christ Jesus who is in us. And the fourth thing is a spiritual healing. And at, at this time, uh, what had happened is many people in the ancient world, they believed that Wherever you were in life, if you had a sickness, if you were not successful, uh, especially sickness, though, if you had a sickness, it was because of some sin you had committed. Now we know that's ridiculous, but that was actually taught. Uh, case in point, have you ever read the book of Job? What do all of his friends keep telling him? You know, he, he's, like, I, he's like, no, I've, I've asked God, I'm blameless, I'm you know, and what do his friends say? Well, you have sin in your life. This is the re- your sickness is the result of sin. And, and that, that's, that's not the case. So when Jesus came and touched him and, and healed, his, healed his body, you know, uh, it, was, it was more than physical, emotional, and psychological. It was spiritual. He had an encounter with Jesus that, that changed his life forever. And so you may be here today, and the miracle that you need is, is rebirth. You, you, need, you need salvation. You need an encounter with God. Your spiritual life is dead. And, or or maybe, maybe you're backslidden. Maybe at once you did have spiritual life, and now you don't. And you just need God to touch your life and, and to restore, restore your life. And so I want to have the worship team come up and... And the good news, the good news is we've talked about the willingness of God to heal and how he doesn't just want to heal one part of your life. He wants to touch every area of your life 
uh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, because Jehovah Rophe, the character of God, I am the Lord your God who heals, and I don't do partial healings. I don't do partial miracles. I, I heal the whole thing. You know what's amazing? If you look at me, the miracles in the, of Jesus in the Bible, they came for one miracle and they got more than they asked for. So when we start to pray for you today, when we start to just cover you in prayer, just say, today, today's my day, and I, I demand a whole miracle. I don't leave here. I expect God to touch me even in areas that I don't know I need a miracle in. Would you stand with me today? I'm gonna have my prayer team come up. And you know, I know we've, we're on week three and we've prayed for probably several hundred people. But if you're here today, someone says, uh, how often should we pray for a miracle? And I, I believe, hey, you pray until you get it. You pray until you get your breakthrough. So God, I pray right now I pray right now for all of your people here today. And Lord, there's many who just like this leper, they need, they need an obvious physical miracle. God, we pray for physical miracles to be released today. God, but we also pray as we talk today about emotional miracles. God, we pray for psychological or mental miracles, a change in our thinking, Lord God. And God, we pray for spiritual miracles as well. In Jesus' name. So if you need a miracle, just come up quickly and these people will be happy to, all, all our prayer team would be happy to pray with you this morning. I open up my heart to you. 
by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus, we pray that miracles are taking place. God, we pray that obstacles are being removed. God, we pray that physical ailments are being healed by the power of God. And Lord, I just, I just pray for everything that was prayed for here today, God. And we just call it done by faith. We exert our faith to believe you, to do things in all of your children's lives in Jesus' name. God, we're so thankful for everything you've given us. And we're so thankful that we have you in our lives today. Amen. Church, I'm going to, they're still praying for people, but we're going to go ahead and, and dismiss right now. And uh, how many of you believe that God wants, wants your life to be blessed even beyond what it is today? I'm going to pray for that. Uh, guys, if y'all can help us stack up these chairs and stack faith, that would be helpful. God, we just, we call on you today, Lord. And your word says clearly, clearly that there is a spiritual inheritance for your believers, God. It's not what we deserve, but it's what Jesus paid for. So God, right now, we pray for financial blessings. God, we pray for blessings over our family, our marriages, and our kids. God, keep us safe and protect us.